Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Grace Upper, for Raza, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. Today's episode is news around the world on abuse. Sabrina Johnson, 19th of May, 2022, Metro Newspaper, UK. An MI5 spy reportedly reused his status to wage a long-running campaign of terror against his girlfriend that saw him threatening to kill her. The BBC had reported on the story for the first time after the government took the broadcaster to court in a bid to block the publication of the agent's identity. In an unprecedented legal battle, the BBC argued that women had the right to know his identity and it would protect potential victims from harm. However, the foreign national cannot be named. Despite evidence, he's a threat to women. An injunction remains in place to prevent the corporation from disclosing information likely to identify the man. He is referred to as X, who is said to be a covert human intelligence source. The corporation has reported that the evidence shows the agent is a violent right-wing extremist who hoarded Nazi paraphernalia and routinely terrorized his partner. The couple allegedly met on a dating site and went on to live together in the UK. But over time, he became abusive, coercive and sexually assaulted the woman, the BBC says. X is reported to have collected weapons and made his victim watch terrorist videos of executions and murders. He moved abroad and continued the intelligence work after assaulting the alleged victim with a machete and threatening to kill her, according to the BBC. The incident was allegedly caught on camera, but the cooperation says there were serious issues in the police response, including the failure to take a full statement from the woman or obtain the video. X was arrested, charged over the attack, but the Crown Prosecution Service, CPS, allegedly dropped the case when it reached court, the BBC says. There was so much psychological terror from him to me that ultimately culminated in me having a breakdown because I was so afraid of everything because of how he made me think the people he was involved with and the people he worked for, the woman is quoted as saying. The BBC says they located another woman who had suffered at the hands of X in a different country. The corporation argued that the story is firmly in the public interest and has said women have a right to know the man's identity and releasing it will protect potential victims from harm. Attorney General Sula Braverman sought an injunction to block a planned broadcast which would identify the man. She argued it will damage national security and create a real and immediate risk of serious or life-threatening harm to the man. Mr. Justice Chamberlain had previously said the BBC could still air the program and the key issues, but not identify X. Following the publication of the ruling, the BBC said this ruling enables us to tell a story we believe is firmly in the public interest and it is a vindication of the BBC's investigative journalism. A government spokesperson said, as a matter of long-standing policy, we will not comment on the security or intelligence. 
as the judge in this case says, the interim injunction, which the government was granted in April, is aimed at protecting national security and avoiding a real and immediate risk to life, safety and privacy. The anonymity of a violent, misogynistic, racist, right-wing, anti-Semitic MI5 agent who just happens to work for the UK's Secret Service and has avoided persecution appears to be far more important than the women he threatened and nearly killed. Despite the serious threats this man poses to women, the government has decreed that he cannot be identified as this will pose a serious risk to the defence and security of the realm. In addition, an infringement of his human rights. Once again, the potential threat to national security and the rights of this man is placed above the abused women's entitlement to justice. The public should be grateful that the media can actually report this case at all, as the government initially wanted to totally suppress the story until the judge ruled that it was in public interest to do so. Yet, despite BBC's news leading with this story two days running, few other media outlets so much as mentioned it. Why? Other questions that need to be posed are, who is responsible for this questionable decision? Why has the Attorney General, Suela Braverman, placed concern regarding the human rights of this individual above the safety and security of at least two and possible more women? Is it because the well-being and human rights of this secret agent is more important than the women's? And in terms of defense of the realm, just what is being protected anyway? The Observer, Matthew Gill, 22nd of May, 2022. Hashtag MeToo is over if we don't listen to imperfect victims like Amber Heard. When even young women join the actor's male tormentors, ideas of justice soon begin to unravel. The backlash to the hashtag MeToo movement was always coming. It's a backlash because it has followed every single step forward feminists have ever made. This backlash was always going to be big, too. Not only did hashtag me to threaten status quo that props up powerful men, it threatened this man personally and, as it seemed to some, with reckless caprice. If somebody was brought down by accusations like this, a White House lawyer said shortly after Christine Blazer's Ford's allegations against Brett Kavanaugh were made public. Then you, me, every man certainly should be worried. It wasn't just men that were worried. The idea that systems that previously treated only women, minorities and lower class men unfairly might be capable of doing the same to high status men was deeply unsettling to everyone. When... Men are treated badly. It lands with a double sense of burning injustice. Women's story of woes are so common that they can leave us comparatively unfazed. We feel bad, but we already know women are treated unfairly. When something bad happens to a powerful man, it happened to a human soul. For these reasons, hashtag me to struck many men and women as deeply unfair. It was merely an attempt to correct a bias that still exists. Female accusers are still routinely treated as if they are lying, both by the public and the courts, more so than other alleged victims of crime. 
It took the testimony of more than 100 women to bring down Harvey Weinstein. Public reaction to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial is what a hashtag MeToo backlash looks like. They're both celebrities in their own rights and notable actors. The facts are that is suing Heard for defamation after she described herself in a 2018 article that didn't mention him as a public figure representing domestic abuse. Depp says he's innocent of abuse and her statement amounts to lying. On his side are two facts that seemed clear. Heard promised to donate her entire divorce settlement to charity and didn't. There is a recording in which she admits to hitting Depp. Depp admits to headbutting his ex-wife by accident and there are texts from his assistant alleging he kicked Heard. There are texts from Depp to Paul Bethany saying he wanted to kill Heard and rape her burnt cops. There is a recording of Depp shouting at Heard for speaking in an authoritative way to him. She was awarded a domestic violence restraining order in 2016. In 2018, Depp sued the Sun newspaper for libel after it called him a wife beater. He lost the case after the judge found 12 or 14 alleged incidents of Depp's abuse of Heard to be true. Ever used to humiliate and discredit female accusers had been deployed against Amber Heard. Re-enacting her testimony of rape and abuse had become a game on TikTok. She has been mocked by Saturday Night Live and by Chris Rock. Believe all women except Amber Heard. Heard's tormentors, many of them young women, do not seem to see themselves as anti-feminists. They believe women, of course, just not this one. It is not they who are damaging hashtag me too. It is Heard by virtue of being an imperfect victim. They perhaps forget that the project of hashtag me too, the whole point, was to help imperfect victims, those who were wearing the wrong thing or were drunk or were promiscuous or loved their perpetrator or had previously broken the law or had lied before or had a bad character or seemed a little bit nutty, a little bit slutty, as David Brock once memorably described Anita Hill, who testified during Clarence Thomas's U.S. Supreme Court confirmation hearing in 1991. In fact, perfect victims have never needed feminism, partly because it barely exists. Heard's accusers fully realize it then. Setting up bad victims in opposition to genuine ones is a very effective method of unpicking hashtag me too. It is only the rare misogynist who outright admits they don't believe women. Their objection has always been just to this one bitch who is lying. Hashtag me too, the clue in the name, attempted to combat this by linking experiences. All those bitches who weren't believed so they could see the pattern. In fact, you could say the whole project of feminism is always taking bad things that happen to women, which they thought only happened to them or where they fall and calling them by one name, divide us back into unlinked individuals who might be lying and the movement is lost. Hashtag MeToo is often framed as having uncovered truths about the world. Its success was because women explained really clearly what was going on. No, people already knew what was going on. Hashtag MeToo worked for the reason 
any feminist movement works. Strength in numbers. It is a political movement pushing against incredibly strong forces in the other direction. There is no reason to think its work cannot be rolled back. Eventually, Johnny Depp won the case. Sunday, 29th May 2022, as reported by Yvonne Roberts for the Garden newspaper, United Kingdom. End femicide. All strangulation of women is serious and it's time for the law to step up. Strangulation is the second most common method used to kill. A 31-year-old attacked his girlfriend so ferociously he thought she was going to die. He had followed her home after drinking in a pub. Last year in court, Ramsey Coiffe, prosecuting, said, all of a sudden, he grabbed her throat and squeezed her hard. The victim was barely able to breathe. She saw him take six steps back before lunging at her and kicking her in the face with the sole of his trainer. He repeatedly did this twice. The prosecuting lawyer admitted assault occasioning actual bodily harm was the case here. The judge recorded John Trevaskis said Reed wouldn't receive rehabilitative help in prison and gave him a 16-month jail term suspended for two years. From the 7th of June, Domestic Abuse Act 2021, non-fatal strangulation, NFS and suffocation becomes a freestanding offence punishable by up to five years in prison in England and Wales. Campaigners, including the Centre for Women's Justice, and we can't consent to this, who challenged the defence where the perpetrator claimed it happened as part of rough sex gone wrong, had long argued that NFS, if prosecuted at all, was frequently charged as common assault, receiving a sentence of a few months. 20,000 strangulations a year are reported. The vast majority are a way of exerting power, fear and control. But not fatal, says Centre for Women's Justice. Prosecution is also impeded because it is often treated as a private matter, normalised by the increasing use of pornography. Yet non-fatal strangulation increases the odds of a woman being killed by a staggering seven times. According to Femicide Census, founded by Karen Ingala-Smith and Clary O'Callaghan, with whom the Observer has collaborated in a year-long campaign to better tackle femicide and violence against women and girls, a woman is killed by strangulation every two weeks. Strangulation has consistently been the second most common method after stabbing that men used to kill women. It's long overdue that the criminal justice system catches up. Anthony Williams, 70, choked the living daylight out of his wife, Ruth, 67, who received a five-year sentence after pleading guilty to manslaughter by reason of diminished responsibility. The new NFS offense is a vital opportunity to put a break on coercion, control, intimidation, violence, and killing, all of which statistically impact on women far more than men. Senior judges and judicial colleges are in discussion with the Ministry of Justice 
nationwide training for police, health workers, and all those engaged in bringing a perpetrator to trial so far appears to be non-existent. Women's lives are at stake. The government should be seizing the initiative and ensuring that everyone involved is trained, says Julia Drown, patron of the charity, Advocacy After Fatal Domestic Abuse, AAFDA, and a member of a small group of experts who have been lobbying for accelerated action. Sam Pibus, 32, pleaded guilty to manslaughter after strangling Sophie Moss, 33, during what he alleged was consensual sex. He was jailed for four years and eight months, a sentence that triggered a public outcry but was upheld by the appeal court. A pathologist's report found Moss's injuries do not suggest a very prolonged or very forceful strangulation. Strangulation does not need to be prolonged or forceful to cause serious long-term damage. Dr. Catherine White is the foremost expert and researcher in the strangulation in the UK. She is unhappy about the lack of progress. The voluntary expert group of which she and Brown are part has struggled for months to raise £7,000 to pay for two excellent half days of free training in NFS. Finally, the NHS England provided the funds. Hopefully, we can ignite a fire in the belly for more training. But why are we volunteers doing this, White says. The Ministry of Justice should be knocking on my door asking for training. The government says it is spending millions on violence against women and girls. But when you look at the scale of the challenge, it's peanuts. No one seems to be in overall control, driving forward a coordinated response. It feels like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. The impact of strangulation, control and sexual violence is huge. Yet, the societal and government response is so lacking. Last year, White and colleagues published I Thought He Was Going to Kill Me, a three-year study of 204 adult cases of NFS as part of a sexual assault. Some 96.6 of these victims were female. In 27% of the cases, the woman had been strangled before by the same perpetrator. Over one in six had been strangled to the point where they lost consciousness. It takes skill and training, not often found in GP surgery, to detect the signs. One American study reported that NFS might well be the equivalent of waterboarding. Boldly few marks both can be used repeatedly with impunity. Strangulation is external pressure to the neck that cuts off air or the flow of blood to the brain. Choking is different, caused by an internal obstruction to the airwaves. For those who survive, symptoms include strokes, depression, memory loss, seizures, motor and speech disorders and paralysis. The connection of these symptoms to NFS is often not recognized. Commitment to properly tackling NFS was triggered by taking a course at the Training Institute on Strangulation Prevention, Texas, co-founded in 2011 by lawyers Gail Strack and Casey Gwynn. The institute now trains thousands of frontline workers every year across the USA. Non-fatal strangulation has been normalized due to the large numbers of young men in the 18 to 24 age groups and boys between 13 and 18 watching violent online pornography and being under the impression that such content is normal and acceptable sexual behavior. 
Some studies estimate that as many as 80% of males in these age groups have viewed videos involving men pretending to strangle women. Strangulation does not need to be prolonged or forceful to cause serious long-term harm to the victims. What these young men are almost certainly unaware of is how little pressure is required to cause serious injury to a partner and, and therefore how it easy it is to actually, if unintentionally, kill someone this way. In pre-internet days, when what counted as pornography meant glossy top-shelf magazines, publishers wouldn't touch any violent abasement of women due to the very real threat of prosecution. Publications dealing with non-consensual or illegal sexual behavior were very much niche products and only obtainable surreptitiously. Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996 provides immunity from liability and prosecution to the internet service providers as they are deemed to be not publishers but hosting platforms. Therefore, they cannot be held accountable for the material available to anyone on the sites they own and operate. They are not responsible for the actual content. Shiwata Sharma for The Independent Newspaper Thursday, 9th of June, 2022, India a five-year-old Indian child was tied and left in scorching heat on the roof of a house for not doing homework, the police says. The child was screaming after being tied with a rope and left on the terrace of her home in the sweltering heat on the national capital, Delhi. It was revealed the girl's mother was angry with her for not completing her homework and had allegedly left her on the terrace to punish her. The mother was arrested by the police for child cruelty. The police action against the mother came a day after a disturbing video of the incident went viral on social media and prompted outrage and calls for action. The video was taken by a neighbor who saw the girl being tied behind her back and twisting and turning in pain. The girl was abandoned on the terrace at 2 p.m. in the scorching sun. A case has been registered under Section 75 of the Juvenile Justice Act, Punishment for Cruelty to Child, and a police investigation is ongoing, reported the news agency ANI. The mother named Safna admitted to punishing her daughter for not doing her homework. The father of the child had gone to work, but was called by his own father, who rushed down and, unt and untied the girl. He said he scolded his wife. The girl's uncle, Sunil, claimed the children's mother was always hot-headed and beats her kids on every small issue. The uncle claims the mother of the children wasn't like this before. He told Annie, the news agency. Thursday 9th, June 2022. Independent newspaper. An Indian man arrested for chopping off his wife's hand, fearing she would leave him after getting a job. The man from the eastern state of West Bengal was arrested after allegedly chopping off his wife's hand in an attempt to stop her from taking up a job at a government hospital, which would require her to move cities. Sher Mohammed Sheikh, 26, a resident of West Bengal's East Bodwan district, along with his two friends, chopped off his wife, Renu Katun's 23-year-old's hand, while she was sleeping early on Sunday morning, reported the Telegraph.
the woman, according to police, is receiving care in a hospital in Dugapa, where she is in stable condition. The accused first put a pillow on her face to muffle her screams and then chopped off her right hand. The official said, citing the complaint filed by Katun's father, Azizul Hako, the weapon used in the attack is yet to be recovered. Mr. Sheikh reportedly took his wife to a hospital and fled with the other two accomplices. Katwa police said on Tuesday evening that Mr. Sheikh, who had been absconding along with accomplices, were arrested while his parents were arrested the same morning. The, the couple got married in 2017. Miss Katun has a diploma in nursing from Kolkata in 2018. Subsequently, she worked at a private hospital in Dugapur as a nurse. Mr. Sheikh, who ran a small grocery store, objected to her working and often tortured her. Miss Katun said life had been difficult for her at her in-laws place from the very beginning. The torture increased manifold when Renu informed her husband recently that she had got a government job as a nurse and she can be posted in anywhere across the state as per the job condition. Her elder brother Ripon Sheikh was quoted as saying, Reports reaching us says Miss Katoon is determined to get back on her feet and is learning to write with her left hand. I refuse to give up. I will not stop. She was quoted as saying to the Times of India. She also demanded that the state chief minister, Mamata Banerjee, consider her case and offer her a government job. A four-member delegation of the state's Women's Rights Commission met her on Monday at the hospital. We have appealed to CM Mamata Banerjee to consider her case on humanitarian grounds for a government job. She comes from a very poor family, chairperson of the commission, Lina Gangopadhey, said. Independent newspaper. Bevan Hurley, Wednesday, 15th June 2022. USA. A 22-year-old California woman was allegedly held captive by a housemate for five months and repeatedly tortured and raped before escaping authorities say. She suffered horrific injuries, including having an eye put out and wounds to her tongue, nose, ear, and lip. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office said. Very soon after moving into the house, she was not allowed to leave. She was held there against a wheel by him and at that point was subjected to multiple assaults. The lady phoned 911 after escaping from the Chino Hills resident last Thursday night. She was located in a park and was taken to a local hospital where she remains in a stable condition. Peter Anthony Maguire, 59, the suspect, fled the Chino Hills property before they were able to execute a search warrant. He was tracked down to a property in Placenta, Orange County, and executed a search warrant there on Sunday morning. Mr. Peter Maguire entered not guilty pleas to charges including kidnapping, mayhem, and sodomy by use of force. The San Bernardino County's District Attorney's Office said in a statement. Five of the counts include special allegations that the crimes involved infliction of great bodily injury and administering a controlled substance during a sex crime, prosecutors said. He is due back in court on Thursday. 
the lady moved into Mr. Peter Maguire's home before the kidnapping, but when she decided to move out, he refused to let her leave, Ms. Rodriguez told the Los Angeles Times. According to the criminal complaint, Mr. Maguire did unlawfully and maliciously deprive Jane, a member of the body, and did disable, disfigure, and render it useless, and did cut and disable the tongue, and put out an eye and slit the nose, ear, and lip of said person. Sky News, Monday, 20th June 2022. Models raped, groomed, sold by agent in fashion's darkest secret. David Messer, home affairs reporter. Model Karik Sutton was just 17 when she says she was repeatedly raped by one of the industry's most powerful men. Gerard Murray was married to Linda Evangelista, the famous supermodel, but when his wife was out of town, Sutton says she was sexually assaulted by the French agent, sometimes several times a week over multiple weeks in 1986. He basically forced himself on me and raped me, Sutton says in a tearful interview for a new documentary. She said she was devastated and terrified. Sutton, age 53, who rose to fame under the name Carrie Otis, tells Sky News she will be happy to go face-to-face -face in court with Marie, who vehemently denies all sexual abuse allegations against him from several women. There is no suggestion Evangelista, who divorced Marie in 1993, knew of the alleged abuse. She issued a statement in 2020 praising the courage and strength of her former partner's accusers, saying, Hearing them now, and based on my own experiences, I believe they are all telling the truth. Sutton is one of at least 11 women who have reportedly filed testimonies to a Paris prosecutor claiming they were sexually assaulted by Marie, the former European head of elite modeling agency. France's statutes of limitations, however, means allegations of sexual abuse must be reported within 20 years or 30 years in the case of minors. Sutton believes there have been other alleged victims of Marie in the last two decades and she wants them to come forward. I don't think perpetrators just flip a switch, she tells Sky News. The reason I came forward is that I have daughters. I don't want them to have to normalize what I normalized for so long. It's still a completely unregulated industry that's working with minors mostly and young adults. Clean industry, totally complicit with abuse. Sutton and three other women shared details of sexual abuse they allegedly faced while working as models in a new documentary called Scouting for Girls, Fashion's Darkest Secret. Sutton, who was once married to actor Mickey Rook, says people within the industry were totally complicit to the abuse of models, particularly in Paris. She says she was sent to casting jobs at homes of photographers who were known perpetrators, where she was told to strip to show them her body. This was totally normal, she says. They would often go late, late, late into the night. It was really the vulnerable and the ones that weren't making bank, who were the ones who were preyed on, groomed and sold by our agents. Jill Dodd says she was also raped by Marie after a night out in Paris in 1980 when she was a 20-year-old model. She later went on to have a relationship with Adnan Khashoggi, the late Saudi arms dealer who was once said to be the richest man in the world. She later discovered Khashoggi had paid Marie's modeling agency, Paris planning up to $50,000 to be introduced to her.
Dodd tells Sky News, we were just young and being taken advantage of and groomed and sold by our agents. I know for me, I beat myself up over it for years. How could I be so stupid? How could I let this happen? In reality, I had no chance against this powerful man that were 20 years older than me plotting against me. A perpetrator in the palm of our hands. Another senior figure in the modern world who faces claims of sexual abuse in the documentary is French agent Jean-Luc Bernard, an associate of Jeffrey Epstein. Bernard, like Epstein before him, was found dead in prison in February this year, having killed himself. He was detained in December 2020 as part of an inquiry into allegations of rape, sexual assault and sexual harassment. These men were master groomers and master manipulators. Shine believes there's a common theme about the men responsible for this kind of abuse. She and other models suffered. She says, I have this theory that some of these men are very small or there's something small about them inside, that they feel their only power is by being abusive or intimidating or threatening in some way. When it comes to the modeling industry, they manipulate us by dangling these dreams and these possible modeling jobs in front of us and we believe them. As long as we go along with it, we are fine. If we speak out against it, we are done. Arts, they were master groomers and master manipulators. They were authoritative figures. They held all the purse strings. They held everything. First woman, Shwana Lee, who was a 15-year-old Canadian school girl when she entered the look of the year modeling contest in 1992, was also raped by Marie. She says, most models don't have a voice. I'm in this for justice, she tells Sky News. I'm in this to protect workers' rights. I'm in this for equality. I'm in this to heal what has happened to me and so many other survivors who were totally innocent. To see industry change, I'm in this to address statutes of limitations reform. This has not been a walk in the park. This has been one of the most challenging two years of my life, she says. Who has two teenage daughters still has safety concerns about the industry and says she wouldn't allow her children to become models. Sky News, Tuesday, 21st of June, 2022. Ran Giggs Rizona's Wales manager ahead of domestic violence trial as team prepares for the World Cup. The former Manchester United player has been on leave from his post since November 2020 as he faces a domestic violence trial in Manchester on August the 8th. Wales is qualifying for finals since 1958 at this year's World Cup in Qatar. Giggs is accused of controlling and coercive behavior against his former girlfriend, Kate Greenville, between August 2017 and November 2020. He's also accused of assaulting Ms. Greenville, causing her actual bodily harm, and of the common assault of her younger sister, Emma Greenville, at his home in Worsley, Greater Manchester, on November the 1st, 2020. The 48-year-old has denied the allegations and pleaded not guilty to all charges. At the time he was charged, the former footballer said, I look forward to clearing my name. A statement, Giggs said he resigned as it is only right that the world's FA, the coaching staff and the players prepare for the tournament with certainty, without speculation around the position of their head coach. He added, Whilst I'm confident in our judicial process, I had hoped that the case would have been heard earlier to enable me to resume my managerial responsibilities. Through nobody's fault, the case has been delayed. I do not want the country's preparation for the World Cup to be affected, 
destabilized or jeopardized in any way by the continuing interest around this case. The Football Association of Wales acknowledged Gig's statement, adding the Football Association of Wales places on record his gratitude to Ryan Giggs for his tenure as manager of the men's national team and appreciates the decision he has taken. The Football Association of Wales places on record its gratitude to Ryan Giggs for his tenure as manager of the men's national team and appreciates the decision he has taken, which is in the best interests of Welsh football. Bolivia, Unital News, 13th of June 2022. A boy of 11 dies after being repeatedly raped by four brothers who gave him HIV, as president condemns evil abuse. The 11-year-old victim went into a coma and suffered two cardiac arrests at a hospital in Santa Cruz, Bolivia on Saturday. The victim only revealed the two years of abuse after he tested positive for HIV. His mom, Betha, demanded harsh punishment for four brothers accused of raping her son. Doctors managed to revive him after the first heart attack but were unable to save his life after the second. The case shocked the country and even prompted the country's president to take to social media to demand justice. President Luis Ace wrote, We express our deepest pain at the departure of the little boy in Yapakani. This tragic outcome cannot go unpunished. It is inconceivable to accept so much evil against an innocent child. To his family, all our support and our deepest condolences. The shocking case only came to light the previous weekend when the boy's mother demanded justice. She said her son was sexually abused by the four brothers living in a neighboring house in Yapakani. The terrified youngster only revealed his ordeal after he fell ill and tested positive for HIV. The boy's mother said, I want justice. There has to be justice. My son will go away forever and they will laugh. Even if they kill me, I will not remain silent. Wherever I go, I'll talk. The alleged aggressors were youths aged 15 and 17, while the other two are 23 and 28 years old. The eldest of the four brothers died of AIDS last year. A group of residents from the boy's hometown showed up at court where another of the alleged rapists was appearing last week. After bridging security, they beat him up and forced him to run naked through a public square, according to darionline.com. He was later sent to the Palmasola prison in Santa Cruz. One of the teenage suspects is now in a juvenile court and will be kept in custody at the San Cruz Rehabilitation Center. The other teenager is believed to have fled to Chile. The victims only told of the horrors he had suffered when he was first found to be infected with HIV last year. He identified his aggressors and his family went to the police. The boy was repeatedly raped by the brothers who were his neighbors with whom he went to play for more than two years. This is indeed a very sad story. Benjins Bureau. 
14th of June 2022, Hong Kong, by Nectar Gan. A group attack on women shakes China to the core. In a video that went viral on social media, three women were shown sharing a meal in a barbecue restaurant when a man approaches the table and places his hand on the back of one of the women. The woman pushes him away. The man refuses to back off and reaches out again for her face. As she pushes away his hands, the man slaps her and pushes her to the ground as she struggles to fend him off. Her friends tried to help her, but they too were attacked by the man and his friends who rushed into the restaurant as the violence broke out. The group of men then dragged the first woman through the door by her hair, smashing her with bottles and chairs and repeatedly stomping on her head as she lays on the sidewalk, her clothes stained with blood. A woman said, this could happen to any of us. The shock and anger revibrated widely as the video spread like wildfire on Chinese social media by the evening. The attack, which took place around 2.40 a.m. Friday in the northern city of Tangshan, had ignited a nationwide uproar, drawing hundreds of millions of views and dominating online discussions throughout the weekend. Lots of people were up appalled that the woman was so brutally beaten simply because she rejected a man's sexual harassment. Others lashed out at the police for failing to take action until the incident went viral. Following the uproar, the Tangshan police issued a statement Friday saying they had identified the suspects and were sparing no effort to arrest them. By Saturday afternoon, all nine suspects involved in the assault had been apprehended. The police said, including four who had fled about 600 miles, that is 965 kilometers south to Jigangshu province. Two women were hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries and were in stable condition, according to the police. The attack also rekindled debate about violence against women and gender inequality in China which critics contend remains a highly patriarchy society with pervasive misogyny, despite growing awareness of gender issues among the young women. What happened at the Tagshan barbecue restaurant was not an isolated social incident or part of the systemic gender violence. We need to acknowledge that we still live in an environment that supports encourages and drives men to engage in gender-based violence against women, said a widely shared social media article. In recent years, a series of incidents of horrific violence against women has sparked outrage. Last year, Itbetan vlogger died after her ex-husband set her on fire while she was live streaming to her fans on social media. The ex-husband was sentenced to death in October. Earlier this year, a mother of eight was shown in a video chained by her neck in a shed in rural Jiangsu province. After repeated initial denials, authorities eventually admitted that she was a victim of human trafficking. Of course, we should take legal action to punish individual attackers and perpetrators, but without addressing systemic gender oppression, without changing the social norms that promote misogyny and encourage violence, we're going to continue our anger in the next incident, the social media article said.
These discussions do not appear to sit well with the Chinese government, which has long cracked down on China's feminist movement by arresting and silencing activists and censoring online debates. The article, which was published on WeChat, along with other social media posts about gender issues, have been scrubbed from the internet. Weibo, China's Twitter-like platform, said in a statement Saturday that it had blocked 992 accounts for breaches, including deliberately provoking gender confrontation when discussing the Taishan attack. Other censored Weibo posts captured by CNN, however, were from users voicing concerns about violence against women and urging people to keep speaking up. Some state media reports initially downplayed the man's act of sexual harassment as trying to strike up a conversation, drawing backlash from female readers. State media have sought to portray the attack as an isolated event, shifting the focus away from the gender issues to local gang violence. Five of the suspects had criminal records, ranging from offenses of illegal detainment to intentional harming of others, according to state-run China National Radio on Sunday. Taxian authorities launched a two-week campaign to crack down on organized crime. Police officers, some armed with guns, standing guard behind customers at outdoor barbecue restaurants. Some used loudspeakers to remind diners to don't drink too much and don't strike up conversations with strangers. Liv Pin, a prominent Chinese feminist now based in New York, said by detaching the Taxian attack from lenses of gender, the Chinese government is distancing itself from the responsibility it should take for failing to address the problem of gender inequality and violence in society. When we talk about systemic problems, the responsibility should lie with the government. But now the government is using its crackdown on organized crime to show up its legitimacy. The type of campaign that crackdown will not address the problem of gender violence, she said. In Yuan, the founder of Beijing-based women's rights advocacy group Equality, said to eliminate systemic gender violence, China should start with incorporating more content about gender equality in education. It is not only about teaching kids slogans and abstract concepts, but showing them how to apply them in real life, such as showing mutual respect for one another, she said. Law enforcement should Law enforcement should also shed its passivity when it comes to dealing with cases involving gender violence, Fench said. In domestic violence cases, the police response was often, were often perfunctory, while a large number of sexual assault cases were easily dismissed on the ground that there was not enough evidence, she said. Light punishment for gender violence has also failed to deter transgressors or perpetrators. Sky News, 14th June 2022. Patrick Grundy, the Scottish National Party MP for Glasgow North, faces two-day common suspension over sexual misconduct claim. Grundy should be suspended from the House for two days for making an unwanted sexual advance to a member of party staff at work social event in a pub in 2016. Mr. Grandy was also ordered to make a public apology in the chamber and to say sorry privately to the person who complained. However, the length of the suspension was shortened because the panel said the complainant breached confidentiality repeatedly in an attempt to discredit Mr. Grandy, leading to intrusive press activities and abuse on social media. An investigation 
by Kathleen Stone. The Parliamentary Commissioner for Standards upheld a claim that Mr. Grandy had made an unwanted advance that included touching and stroking of the complainant's neck, hair and back. The MP did not appeal against the decision. Mr. Grandy was found to have breached Parliament's sexual misconduct policy. The panel considering his sanction concluded an unwanted physical touching with sexual intent from a senior MP to a junior member of staff, even on a single occasion, is a significant breach of the policy. It must be marked by some period of suspension from the House. It took into account the MP's genuine remorse for his actions. It took into account the MP's genuine remorse for his actions that they were not repeated once rebuffed and his efforts to address his behavior since the incident. The recommendation for a suspension must be agreed to by the House of Commons. In a personal statement to the Commons, shortly after the findings, Mr. Grande said, any breach of the behavior code and associated policies risks bringing this house into disrepute and will cause distress and upset not just to the complainant, but to the wider parliamentary community. Mr. Speaker, I give you and this House my firm assurance that I have learned significant lessons through this process and a firm undertaking that such behaviour on my part will never happen again. He apologised without reservation to the Speaker and the House as well as constituents and local party members and anyone else who had been affected by my behaviour in any way. The findings marked the latest chapter in a series of misconduct claims linked to Parliament. The Times reported earlier this year that 56 MPs faced allegations ranging from making sexually inappropriate comments to more serious wrongdoings. Last month, an unnamed conservative MP was arrested on suspicion of rape and sexual assault offences spanning a seven-year period. Another Tory MP, Noel Parrish, quit in May after he admitted watching pornography in the House of Commons. In April, Imran Ahmad Khan, also a conservative MP, resigned after he was found guilty of sexually assaulting a 15-year-old boy. If you've enjoyed this episode, kindly subscribe, leave a review. If you've got any questions or inquiries, you can get in touch rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com or our social media platforms rising above shadows of abuse at tiktok rising above shadows of abuse twitter rising above abuse youtube rising above shadows of abuse see you in the next episode and keep being positive take care Rising above shadows of abuse. In short, Raza.